We Stand podcast. In this podcast, we cover topics relating to childhood sexual abuse. It contains subjects that some listeners may find upsetting. On Will Tureg. I am. Good. That's about the beginning and end of my Irish therapy you now. I have I have none. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, say my surname for the crack. Vaughn. Orla Vaughn. Orla Vaughan. Orla Vaughan. I you know what I, I'm beginning to think it's because you're you're torn between being on the East Coast and thinking, and I'm doing inverted commas that you know the correct pronunciation is Vaughan. And then you want to be loyal to me because it is my surname and I say Vaughan. And in between you get this mix of whatever is coming out of your mouth. <laughs> say it again. Vaughan. 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 I just, every time I say it, I, I know it's your name, but I get all like... <gasps> <laughs> no, it, it was so funny on the news talk. Yeah, and along with Orla. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Whatever way you want to say it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Orla Vahan. Vahan. It sounds like I want to have a fight with someone yeah, when Orla I say Vahan. it. Orla Vahan. Orla Vahan. Vahan. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll work at it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, please don't. I, I really enjoy the way it's going. Don't work on it. <laughs> And if you are working on it, send me recordings of that work. Okay, so we might as well use that as a jumping off point to start the podcast, yeah? (laughs) Whatever you want. That's what I want. How are you? Uh, I am good. I'm in Dublin. There is a warning going out that there could end up being a dog barking um, because I'm beside Archie. Um, But yes, uh, the sun is shining and it's the last in the series. Yay. Well, not yay, but wow, to be honest with you. Um, can't, it, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, and I presume that's because we've had two lockdowns since we started mm. this. Um, but it's been, it, it, it's been so enlightening for me and such a pleasure to work alongside you and watch this whole thing evolve for you, Kate, because I think it's, um, I think that's what has happened that we, we set out in the pilot if you listen back to it to talk about changing the narrative uh, surra- the language surrounding um, people victims and survivors of abuse uh, and we've continued that throughout the episodes but we've also gone away from what we thought we would originally do and we will do that in another series but we, we stuck closer to your personal story and examine that and we'll follow that on with your records today some of your records to finish off um, and not to conclude the story but to bring it to as far as we can at this moment in time yeah and like the thing is it's really you helped me to realize that in order for this series to make sense we had to actually follow a story because it's all well and good, each of us coming on every single episode and talking about the need to change how we speak about surviving sexual abuse. But people don't have a story that they can necessarily relate to. 
And obviously there's people listening and we've a lot of people listening who have experienced childhood sexual abuse. They've experienced, some have experienced emotional trauma, not childhood sexual abuse. Some have experienced adult abuse like rape and sexual assault. Um, and all of these things fit into the same bracket in a lot of ways. You know, like I had somebody contacted me the other day saying, I didn't suffer CSA, but I was emotionally um, traumatized as a child and I have PTSD because of it. And I'm like, you know, if you identify with what we're saying, it's, you know, your experience, nobody's experience is the same as anybody else's. Um, but if you identify with what we're saying and you can see that, you know, we, we need to empower each other, then that, that's, we're winning in terms of this podcast. But also for other people who've never experienced anything like what I experienced and what I went through, um, it's probably a really good thing for them to be able to hear somebody's story properly and not told with shame and not told with, obviously there was fear and anxiety around some of the things that I was talking about, but, you know, to just hear it and then get an understanding of it. I'm sorry to cut a case yeah. there, but I suppose that's one of the things that I loved in the last episode uh, where Tecla said, you know, it's, it's time for us, the listeners, to grow up and to listen mm. and to stop the narrative that I would have used myself. I, I don't want to listen to that podcast series because it's too, it's too much. And then I leave the too much, my two hands out in front of me. But I don't know what yeah. the too much is because I've never bothered my arse to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and then what you and I both found ourselves doing when we were telling friends about the podcast was giving them a warning, you know, OK, this isn't different for everybody. If you're not mm. in a really good place at the moment, don't listen to mm. it. Again, I think we were being disloyal to what we wanted to do from the beginning. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's kind of a protection thing. But the podcast, it's it's funny. It's honest. It's emotional. It's raw, especially for you, because you are learning so much of your mm. narrative. And, and and if we go back to the beginning and you always having regret that little Kate didn't stand up for herself and disclose to um, authorities what was going on. And then we learn in episode three that little Kate did, mm. that she spoke, or episode two, that Kate did speak up. She did. And that for me, sitting there lis listening to your mom telling us that and you hearing that for the first time was phenomenal. Yeah. It was, and, and you just saying that has brought it back again to me. It's like I've built so much of my life and my identity around the idea that I didn't do enough. And so in all areas of my life, I overcompensate by doing too much and tiring myself out, not doing the jobs to the best of my ability, giving up, all because of that story that I've told myself. I didn't do enough. I didn't speak out. I didn't say enough. It's amazing how one thing can shape your world, you know? It's, it's mad. And like my mom and me, obviously, I'm spending a lot of time with my mom at the moment because she fractured her ankle and her leg. And, you know, the pandemic has given me the opportunity to be able to care for her, uh, for us to be able to do this podcast. But also, it's like, as soon as we spoke about everything and recorded episode three, was it episode two or episode three? I'm getting mixed up because we had the pilot episode speaking to mum and then over the coming months um, having the chats with her about it there's other little things she's like I don't know why I didn't tell you about that as an adult I don't know why I didn't confirm that 
to you. And I'm like, but sure, why would you? And since then, of course, Kate, you had a, a lovely um, article in the Irish Independent. Yes. Which we spoke about last week. But how are you since then again? Really good. Like the Health and Living, um, Yvonne, who's the editor of Health and Living, she asked me to write a piece. And I'm probably going to write another piece, I think, for the paper. But it was something else to be on the front page of that supplement. I wasn't expecting that. And, uh, you know, um, I couldn't reread the piece. Um, and I was saying last week that I'm fine about it and I'm not doing the usual numb thing, but I actually do, I had, I'd been doing the two degrees of separation and that a lot of people contacted me having read it. And a lot of people just, you know, saying that it, that they're really pleased to hear someone talk about, um, abuse in that way. Um, and talk about how, you know, I'm fine. I'm all of these things. And this is something that happened to me. But also I was on News Talk as well um, on Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. And that was hilarious because I was recording that from the car in the morning with a cup of coffee in my pajamas. And uh, that was really like, I really feel that was a really good interview. And then their own journalist picked up on it and um, transcribed it. So it's out there on their website. It was an interesting thing that happened with the News Talk article. And I can only say this on the podcast and I can only say this in, in, in vocally because to write it down, it could occur as something else. Whoever used, somebody used an image of a woman with their head in their hands lying on a table. So when the podcast went up, the image that went with it is, first of all, it's Kate Brennan Harding wants to change the narrative around how we talk about sexual abuse. And then this image of this woman with her head in her hands. Okay. And it's nobody's fault. It is literally, I know the producer of the show. He's wonderful. He didn't do this. But I looked at it and my initial thing was, ah, Jesus, like that's how people, that's how blind people are to understanding what is, you know, subliminally, what is out there around surviving sexual abuse, what narrative we're living into. And, and I suppose to use the word narrative a lot. But if you look at an image like that, it's despair. And it's not to take away from how fucking horrible, you know, parts of my life were. It's not to take away how horrible the actual abuse is. But when you see an image with a woman with her hands in, head in her hands, what, how do you translate that back to you? How do you relate that back to you other than negative, other than you're broken? So I contact, I took the opportunity because I thought this is a wonderful opportunity to, to show and highlight exactly the small little ways that things need to change. But I contacted the producer of the show very nicely, like I just said, you know, hey, it was a voice note. And I said, look, it's just, I, I, I was wondering if you could change that because it, it doesn't marry with what I'm saying. It, does, it defeats the purpose. And he was brilliant. And he was like, I saw that and I'm just about to change it. And yeah, it completely misrepresents everything that you've been speaking about. So he changed it. But it's like, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because it is one of those little tiny insipid little things that nobody means any harm by, that people are trying to be generous of spirit and trying to, you know, be kind. And yet using images like that are, are one of the things that compounds how, as a survivor, you feel about yourself when you talk about surviving abuse. That's incredible because I, this is the first time I'm hearing that I didn't know that, yeah. that it happened. And if you are to pick an image to mirror um, an article or an interview, 
and, and especially the one that you did, that's, I mean, that's like putting, I don't know, I don't know what, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Wow. And that's another lesson for me as well there mm. in that, because I think mm. we were, we were talking, you and I about, with a friend of mine, Aoife, about doing, you know, like a, a proper image logo for the next series yeah yeah yeah. or and for this one just to change what we've been doing you know just to get it uniformed yeah and Aoife had sent a couple of slots through and one of them well isn't a reflection of what she wanted but she wanted a shadowed but the shadowed one that she sent was a child holding a teddy bear yeah and you were like I don't fucking want the child holding the teddy bear I was like okay yeah I think she was just trying to say a shadow but yes I hear you (laughs) <laughs> I know and I, I certainly am not like Jesus I'm so grateful to you for it you know and like she's been sending me lots of lovely messages it's not anything went like that I feel I like 100% it. know that and she knows that but I'm yeah. just, it's so funny that you brought that up now yeah um, yeah oh god but it's just it's just like you know it's not I do feel like I, I, part of me is like Jesus Christ people are gonna, I'm just banging on the same but it's like you have to keep banging and other people will start banging the drum with you and then the drums get louder and then things change, mm. you know? So there's a whole world of stuff changing at the moment. I, I'm seeing it, but it's like people are beginning to see that we have to talk about it differently. And if that's not, that doesn't mean if you're somebody who is listening who suffered childhood sexual abuse, that you suddenly have to stand up and talk about it. No, you don't. That's not what we're saying. But if you feel strong enough to do it, then it's okay to. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely. And that, that you're not the that the, this is the first step. And if you if you don't want to be put in a box of, as we've said, as we're blue in the face, saying your life is over, you're ruined. How do you get up in the morning? That this is our small way of contributing to that yeah. that that narrative being changed. Exactly. Um, and that down the road, and you see it. There is definitely a movement, and the pandemic has helped that because we, we, we've all had to pause our lives and reflect and, and look inward and see what kind of human beings are we, how do we want to be remembered mm. um, and how can we change ourselves and the world that we live in for the better. And that's reflected in the Black Lives Matter. It's reflected in the uh, trad music um, movement towards women being sexually exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been reflected in the comedy movement about female artists um, being sexually exploited, and and I'm not I, I don't want to pay it. Just this happens to men as well, mm. but it's it's just it's 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 interesting and it's a good time, um, to get to get a good foundation on this so that we can that that when the narrative when we get back to normal life in inverted commas again that we go, no, we have a foundation here, guys. We're not going back to that language. We're not using that language yeah. anymore. That's done. It's dusted. It belongs in the archives. We have moved forward and here's how we're speaking now. Yeah, it's the same with um, the, you know, the leak of um, thousands and thousands and thousands of images of um, women and how legislation has been brought forward. And there are some amazing women and men, but amazing women wo- working on really changing the legislation in Ireland and making it illegal. And I mean, it's not just adult imagery, the child, child pornography. Mind you, I hate saying, this is another thing, I hate calling things child pornography. Why? Um, because pornography is one thing 
and you know I think that pornography is available to consenting adults to people to watch child pornography isn't pornography it is child sexual abuse it's child rape and it's and I don't think putting I don't think it's helpful putting a word that we use for um, for adults consenting adult gratification or for voyeurism onto something that is illegal and grossly horrendous um, it's like um, when we see child rape that's a better way to to talk about something rather than you know child sexual images um, I just think that's another place where the language has to change because because when you're dealing with talking about children and something happening to children it should not be using the same language as something that adults choose to do yeah that's you know? a good point um, I've been banging that one for a while as well. <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to read out some messages that we got, uh, just because I think they really moved me. Now, I can read out all the messages, so I picked a few. So is that okay? I'm just going to read these yep. ones out. Okay. So, um, hi, Kate. Sorry to be one of those random strangers that messages you out of the blue. I just honestly had to. I've only listened to the pilot episode of your podcast so far, and it's just perfect. I'm feeling very, every feeling there is listening to it, but mostly relieved to finally hear someone that I relate to so much that's speaking about this in a real way. No bullshit, no self-pity. I love it. And I can't wait to listen to the rest. And I can't thank you enough for putting something like this out there. It definitely inspires me to be more open about what happened to me. I think you're amazing. That's like, that was just beautiful to get. I got that last week. Um, and then I have another message which came through to our email, to our we stand. So if you want to send us an email, it's we.stand at gmail.com. Um, Hi, Kate and Orla. I came across your podcast via an article in the Indo today. I couldn't read the full article as it was behind a paywall, but went to find the podcast as quick as I could. I've been listening to all your episodes on SoundCloud and your courageous storytelling just blew me away. I was sexually abused as a child by an extended family member. And despite some parts being massively triggering for me, I took those breaks you recommended at the start of episode one. I, it was comforting to hear a story I could relate to and to know I'm not alone. I've been in recovery for a few months now, identifying why I'm the way I am and why I spent so long self-destructing and not to mention hurting those around me via that self-destructing. I can't thank you enough for taking a step out of the shadows and giving a voice to those who suffered through this. Kate, you're an amazingly brave human. Thank you for putting this out into the world. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be donating to your fundraiser. So those are just two messages that I just thought for us were beautiful, but also one was from a man and one was from a woman. And I think that that is something that more and more I want to just emphasize that it is not just women and that men, you have a voice and you're entitled to be part of this. Okay, so we're going to talk about the fact that at the start of this, I sent a request using Freedom of Information Act um, to get my records from St. Louise's unit, which is in Our Lady's Hospital for Sick Children in Crumlin. And um, it was very revealing. So I'm not going to do this in any particular order, mainly because a lot of this is redacted um, to protect the identity of my grandfather, which is hilarious. So I was sent to a therapist before I disclosed. And I was sent to a therapist because my parents were um, splitting up and it was causing huge issues, obviously, as you could imagine. In, my, in hindsight, having read these and having understood that I was going to this therapist before I disclosed and the separation happening, I can probably see that I think 
my body and brain couldn't handle anymore. And I think I'd gone completely introverted. Um, and looking back at that time in my life, I definitely was. All I was doing was listening to my Walkman and making up real lots and lots of stories in my head and making up all the stories of what I will be when I'm a grown up and looking at other people's houses and standing. There's a lot of standing outside rich people's houses because I went to school in a very rich area and picking which house I wanted. And it's kind of funny because also like a lot of life, I feel like I'm standing outside looking in and it's kind of back to that place where I think I just ended up going completely inside myself. So anyway, I'm going to read some of these for you. Um, it goes up from 1991 um, to 1994. Um, so here's a letter from superintendent. I won't name them. Um, Regarding, to, regarding me, now we we're going to work backwards. This is 9th of May, 1994, to AA superintendent, and I cannot read out their names. Dear superintendent, Kate attended this unit early in 1993, and an assessment was carried out by her clinical psychologist, and I also participate, participated in this assessment. Kate has been referred here by her psychologist, who had been seeing Kate following the breakup of her parents in September 1992. While Kate was attending, Miss she disclosed that she had been fondled on her private part outside of her clothes by redacted. The circumstances of this disclosure had been when Kate had been about to make a visit to her redacted, obviously it means grandparents, at Christmas time. At interview here, Kate described being touched and fondled by her grandfather in her breast region, both inside and outside of her clothes, and she also said that she had been touched on her genital area outside of her clothes. She said this had happened on a number of occasions, and she described how the incident had apparently occurred in the attic of the house where she was staying. Her description of the incident points to secrecy. Uh, redacted would have locked them out of the attic and also told Kate that what happened would be their secret. There had been one other incident which had apparently taken place when he fondled her on her breast. He, we felt that Kate presented a very credible account of these incidents. At the time, she felt she had a very strong attachment to her father, and she was quite upset as she felt that this, uh, he was very attached to his, his father. She was aware of how her disclosure had upset him. Following the assessment here, Dr. X sent a copy of the assessment report to the Eastern Health Board Community Care. I realised that, in fact, the notification to yourself had not taken place. I'm now writing to rectify that situation, and when informed of this, Director of Community Care, that I have been in touch with you. As I understand it at this point, it basically says my mother and Kate may wish to make a formal complaint. If they do so, we can release a copy of the full assessment report to the Gardaí if they give written permission for us to do so. Please contact me at either of the above numbers. Now, I had said originally I wouldn't talk about that, but there was a gap of a year and a bit. Um, seems to correlate with them probably trying to get through to my dad but I don't know either if that's true or not. Either way, there was a massive gap from reporting and going to the Gardaí. I don't really know what to do about it. I don't know if I'm doing something about it or not. You know, there's a time where I'm just kind of, maybe I'll just put everything to bed now, do you know what I mean? But um, that was quite interesting to see uh, in writing. Now, there's an awful lot of what you get here is handwritten and then it's printed out for you. So bear with me as I read. Um, this is the report, as it's the referral report from the psychologist. Following my telephone conversation with X, the offering 
is a resume of my meeting with Kate. I first saw her on the 7th of September 92 at the behest of her mother. Kate is 11 years old and she is the oldest of five in her family, or three in her family. She has two younger brothers, aged seven and two. When I saw Kate, she was very sociable and extremely talkative. She had what I can only describe as an old-fashioned mode of interaction. She's verbally highly adept and extremely analytical. She is capable, however, her capacity, however, to express feelings is limited, and she doesn't feel she has the right to feel sad or hurt. I saw her for approximately two sessions and feel I had done gone enough with as far gone as far as I could. I didn't feel satisfied with the outcome and had a strong sense that all was not said. That's quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it's very powerful. And but it, the earlier bit was very powerful of how much all was not said, but you had said so much. Yeah. To get to this point. Yeah. Um, I think as well, it's something to read, you know, where they're describing that I, you know, I hate to use the word fondles, but anyway, they're describing what I had said to them. And what I said to them was completely not the full story. It was very basic. And that's where I made up my mind that I hadn't said enough. Because the majority of the time, it wasn't outside my clothes. And the majority of the time, it wasn't my breasts. It was my, you know, basically my vagina. That's where I made up. I didn't tell, tell enough because I didn't tell the full truth because I couldn't. But Kate, like you, you've spent your entire life trying to protect at that stage, trying to protect your father, protect your mother, protect your grandfather um, yeah. from what was going on. So uh, uh, those adults in that room have written down what you said, but those adults know. Yeah. You know, they, you're not their first person to come forward in a case. You know, they, they've, they know the signs because they wouldn't have gone any further if they didn't believe that there was a lot more to what you had, what you were saying. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really good to note is that, you know, I disclosed at Christmas and I went down to Waterford and as my auntie Tecla said, you know, people are saying, or I would say, you know, how did your mother let you go? And she was right to say, well, you had a father. Yeah. You know, but something else that's very important for my mum and for me to see is this literally three days later, I'm in Crumlin Hospital with my first assessment, the one that I cannot remember. And it's three days. It's not even gone into the new year. It's still between the Christmas holidays. You know, and then the next assessment, which is the video assessment, which is the one I do remember, was the 24th of February. So it had two assessments, a report. Um, and I think that it makes sense that I don't remember the first assessment because yeah. I had disclosed, I'd just come back from Waterford. I'd say, I was also really sick. Like, I think I've talked about this before. There was no lip space left on my mouth. There was only cold sores and all my inside my mouth is open and I think that that is a physiological sign of finally letting out everything all the poison um, and if I get very heavily emotionally triggered uh, cold sores will appear in seconds it's still my body still reacts like that you know I'm going to read out another part background to the disclosure arrangements have been made for x with x uh, to go with X and X. So that means for myself to go and my brothers to go with my father on St. Stephen's Day. On Christmas night, Kate told her mother that the last time she had been in Waterford, she was feeling, her, her grandfather was feeling her and touching her. Her mother asked her where and Kate replied on the bottom. And she said that this had happened in the attic and that he had locked the door and that Sam had come up 
also and tried to push the door. Kate later spoke to her therapist saying that her grandfather had touched her outside her clothes and told her that it was a secret and that it happened on more than one occasion. It goes on to say, Kate presents as quite a serious child. When talking to her, she appears to be older than her stated age. She discussed her school and her choice for secondary school and how she's currently taking entrance exams. She appears quite confident about these. She talked about her separation and the different houses they have lived in since. When asked about why she had come here today, Kate said that her grandfather had started to feel her. She says this happened a few years ago and identified it as starting halfway between fourth and fifth class when her and her parents were down in Waterford on holidays. She said the first time it happened that her, uh, her grandfather brought, her, brought herself and her brother up to the attic and he blocked the door and told Sam to go downstairs. He pushed Sam out and locked the door. Kate told her grandfather that she wanted to go and told her, he told her to wait a minute. Her grandfather said to her, this is our secret. Kate says that he was feeling her over and under her clothes on the top part of her body and she indicated the breast area. She said that he was also feeling her over her clothes down below. Kate said that on this particular occasion, her grandfather would not let her go. But Kate said that she had to go to the toilet, so he let her go. She said that it had happened on numerous occasions and it was always the same. She said that her grandfather mutters a lot and that it is difficult to know what he is saying. She said that she decided to tell her mother the night before, her, sorry, her father was coming to bring her because Kate felt that she could not stand it anymore. She said that it did not necessarily happen every time that they went because she would make an effort to keep out of her grandfather's way. For example, she said that if she heard him coming upstairs, that she would rush into the bathroom and lock the door. Kate said that she did not want uh, her, father, her mother to tell her father as she has a very special relationship with her father. She said that on one occasion, her grandfather touched her while they were in the dining room, that her grandmother was clearing up the dinner and left the room, and she and her grandmother, her grandfather were in the dining room. Sorry, it's hard to read because some of this is redacted. Kate said that she got up to go and her grandfather got up and felt her on her breast region over her clothes. When her grandmother was coming back into the room, he stopped. She was able to describe in detail uh, the places where he would abuse her and usually likes to go up, where she usually likes to go up to play. Um, it's also where they go to sleep. Kate has her own bed and her parents sleep in the big bed. Summary and recommendations. Kate presents quite a serious child. She provides a credible account of sexual abuse by her grandfather. This involved being fondled by him in the breast region, inside and outside her clothes, and also being touched on the genital area outside her clothes. She said that this happened on a number of occasions. She's describing the instances occurring in Waterford, the house where she would go to. She also reported that her grandfather told her that this would be their secret. She described another situation with her grandfather after dinner when she was left alone with him, where he fondled her. Kate presents a very credible account. She provides detail and context. She's quite concerned as she appears to have a very strong attachment to her father, as noted through her interview with her, and she feels that he has a close relationship with his father. She expressed this concern when she initially told her mother about the abuse, but also in our interview, she was quite worried about this whole situation and how it might be upsetting for her father. In terms of Kate herself, we would be recommending that she continue to attend a therapist to work through her own issues and feelings with regard to her grandfather and to her separation and also to discuss the more recent developments in terms of her feelings of unease around upsetting her father. It is difficult to assess the impact of the abuse and it is intertwined with a whole number of interrelated issues around her parents' separation. So there you go. I mean, there's a lot more. I'm not going to read them all out, but those give a kind of... It's so funny to read them out again and read them with a lot 
clearer head and to realize how empowered I feel having got that. I've carried it with me everywhere. It is now dog-eared. I'm showing Orla it now. It's completely dog-eared. And like I've only one copy of it. It's, it's just gone everywhere with me. I haven't read it though since, since I got it. So yeah, that was what I was going to ask you. Have you actually read it since the, the first day when we happened to be doing a Zoom call and it came in the post? No, I've read okay. it. I read it about five times that day. Okay. Um, but I haven't read it since. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's something, it, there's, there's, there's me. I am in this. You know, I'm in this document. I spoke. Um, I love I love the analysis of she's quite a serious child <laughs> who doesn't stop talking. Yeah. Um, and I love I loved it. Like my partner was laughing at the, you know, at the bit where, you know, she presents as quite old fashioned. And mm. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I still am. So there you go. Yeah. And it, like I, for anybody listening to this, when Kate says redacted, there is there's just massive chunks of black huge chunks uh, so to to read it the way you did was brilliant because it's just so and you've massive chunks of black and then you've every second word is black in sections mm. and i remember the first day that when you read it to me at one stage um she picked up one section and she was like holding it up to the light i mean you really can't see it i was like okay Kate, <laughs> they're professionals they know what they're doing of course you can't see it <laughs> But it's like, it's funny because most of the stuff is clearly about either of my parents, do you know what I mean? Um, and obviously with freedom of information, that's, that's, you know, what they have to do. They have to take everything else out. But it's like, it's very, very frustrating. And it brings back to, look at, you know, totally separate issue, but similar, stealing of files to the mother and baby homes. Oh, wow, yeah. And how important it is for people to be able to access their own truth, their own history. Mm. And, you know, like I'm vehemently against anyone not being able to access their own records. You know, it's like, who is it? Whose right is it to take that away from anyone? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just absolutely abhorrent. And like, I mean, I suppose, Kate, like even looking at you, you you have been or we have been so lucky that we can interview people and talk to actual living people who were there at the time. Mm. These people in mother and baby homes only have those things. They only have those records. Yeah. But there's nobody. If there are people alive that were there at the time, they're not talking. But they also they can't find them because they don't have their records. Yes. You know, and it's like. It's a whole other, like, there's so much conversation around it, but it's like, Jesus Christ, when do we get to climb over the top of this hill Mm. and have the freedom afforded to mothers and babies, you know? Yeah. It's, there's, there's so much, there's, there's, like, we can't just say tragedy or scandal anymore. We know that. Well, it's, it's the, it's the blanket protection of our state. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they wrote a constitution in 1921 that they would work for the people of this island. And ever since then, they've been protecting everything they've done. Yeah. Um, I know. So it's, yeah. But I guess it's like to link the two. That's, you know, I received those, my files. And very quickly after that, 
there was the record being sealed mm. and it's like it brought it really home to me like obviously it was brought home to me anyway but it's like me personally getting those files and they're not all my files I'm still waiting on getting my files from the guards um and I'm being I've been a bit slow about doing that for whatever reason but um, I want access to all my files because through this podcast, I have pieced together so much and I just want the final bits, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're your bits. They belong to you. There's, you yeah. Know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, fair enough if they want to, you know, redact names in it. I can figure out who's who. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Mm. Um, what's it been like? So tell me about your experience from the beginning to now finally we get to talk about me (laughs) omg i've waited so long for this moment i actually don't know where to begin this is your moment i've just written a few bits here that i'd like to (laughs) share she's got a full full book there um no it's been look at kate it's been such an incredible um year my mum died. Hmm. You and I started chatting about this. Uh, we decided to go hell for leather and just record ourselves and put out a pilot. And it's grown slowly and really organically from that, which hmm. I think it needed to do. Um, it needed to be your story, as you said earlier. It took, it took us a while to come around to that. Um, and here we are at the, at the end, but I don't feel it's the end. I don't no. know if you feel that. I know there's a second series, but I don't feel this is the end of your story and your, your part in this. And I know you're looking at me going, what, what more do you want from me? But I just, I just feel that there is, that this is an evolving um part of your growth as a person Mm. um and um it's been yeah it's been incredible and you have taught me so much it has just i you have opened my eyes you've opened my heart you've opened you've changed my way of thinking you've changed my language you've you've changed me and you've changed me for the better and i will be eternally grateful for that so yeah she I don't know what to say to that <laughs> that's oh my god you heard it here first Kate Brennan Harding is lost for words dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'll have a cry I'll definitely have a cry in a minute <laughs> yeah no you don't need to respond to that you know you, you that's part of you is you feel you need to respond to everything and I've noticed mm. that and I think you've learned that over with your mum talking and your mum taking responsibility for her parts in this story and that you wanted to jump in and, and take ownership of it away from her and again to protect her and it's no more than you just reading your your files there Kate. Kate has a strong relationship with her father she doesn't want to hurt her father she wants to protect her father you know you've got to you're, you're never going to be able to protect anybody fully unless you start protecting yourself and mm. just allow yourself those moments of somebody saying something nice to you or acknowledging that you have helped them in some way to grow as a person. And, um, and in that, if you do that and if you allow yourself and if you respect yourself enough to take that on board, then you, you will get over and, and 
things will move on for you in your own personal life. Yeah. You were right. And, and I think that same, I'll mirror that back at you. I'd just like to note everybody that Kate said I was right. So there's two massive <laughs> moments here. <laughs> One, she's lost for words. And two, I am right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anywho. Well, I think that that is a really, really good way to end series one of the We Stand podcast. Um, to also say thank you, Orla, for guiding me and standing with me every step of the way, even when I couldn't get out of bed. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. And um, we will be back with series two, which will be um, featuring some amazing guests. And we'll be doing that in the new year. Um, but we have that lined up. So um, let's go get some money for it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay. If you'd like to donate, actually, um, to the production costs that we've incurred, it's um, you can go to GoFundMe forward slash We Stand Podcast, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, We Stand Podcast. And if you'd like to pop us an email, we stand at gmail dot com. Uh, both Orla and myself um, are just delighted that you listened. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you have been affected by any of the content in this series, please contact services in your own country. For supports in Ireland, please contact Cara Adult Services on 1890 92 45 67. If you have concerns about the welfare of a child, please contact TUSLA on www.tusla.ie slash children first.